Welcome to the John Lyon Podcast, episode 62, and this is number six of my series, What It's Like to Be. And today it is What It's Like to Be Someone Who's Lost a Parent. Um, so my wife decided to come on the podcast. Um, as I mentioned in the podcast, this was an episode like a long time coming. I kind of wanted to interview somebody about what it's like to lose a loved one to death. I haven't personally lost anyone immediate. Uh, family, but uh, it was a really good conversation. A lot of the beginning part would be very beneficial to someone who knows my wife, who maybe grew up with her. I think a lot of people will gravitate towards that part, but then towards the middle and towards the end, it's for anyone who's who's lost a loved one or how to cope with it and kind of my wife's experience. Um, she wasn't even around uh, when her, her dad passed away. She was on her uh, religious excursion in Spain, and she had about a few months left and decided to stay out um, and finish her mission and then came home and was able to live all those experiences and emotions with her family again. So she hasn't seen her dad in 10 years. No, maybe no, it's 11 years for her, but he passed away 10 years ago this October. And I actually never have met my father-in-law. So we kind of talk about that. But um, anyway, hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Again, this is the uh, episode 62 and number six of What It's Like to Be. And enjoy. All right, we're recording. Okay, so we're going to try on the podcast today this Coke Zero. Wait, who's we? Oh, first off, <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome to the John Lyon Podcast. This is episode 62. Wow. But it's the number six in the series of what it's like to be. Um, we'll explain what, the, what it's like to be later on. But first, we're going to test these new... You still didn't say who I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I'm your host, John Lyon, of course. And then my wife, Jessica Lyon. Yeah. Obviously, you have the same Hello. name because you're not that progressive. Um, we're going to test out this new orange vanilla Coke Zero flavor. So everyone who listens probably annoyingly hears me burp all the time and and I gulp down some Coke Zero. I love Coke Zero and I love Coke Zero vanilla, but they just came out with this orange vanilla flavor. So people have been explaining it to, to be like, creamsicle now also if you don't care for coke zero if you're trying to buy this in the store there are is also um just regular coke orange vanilla so uh, uh let's try it ready right, one two three Ooh, i like it you do yeah it's, it's pretty good I don't really taste the vanilla much. I taste more of the orange. But mm. it does taste like a cream signal. It's creamy. Yeah. Um, Alex was saying he likes it, but Spencer doesn't really like it. I gave one of them upstairs to try. Oh, that's good. So, would I buy it again? However, yes. I think that if I drink too much of it, it's going to make me sick because it's kind of, it's really sweet. Yeah, it's it's more, it's a, more, the orange flavor throws in that, it's more strong than the Coke Zero vanilla and the Coke Zero. Yeah. So, anyway. It's good though. Yeah, we'll see if it stands the test of time. That's what one of the articles I read about this is like. This is the first flavor or new flavor that Coke has released in over like almost a decade. So they're asking themselves like, is this going to be a new classic? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my wife's burping right now. Yeah. Okay. No more soda for me. 
Oh, oh that's man. Good. It like it burns. Oh, that's just Coke, though. Yeah. So, oh, we got to start the podcast out with a fun fact. Okay. You'll like this one. They probably won't, actually. Okay. Do you know the old 1960s Batman? Yeah. So I don't know why it has a picture of Robin, but it's talking about a different actor. There was an actor who played the Riddler. Yeah. And he was a really weird dude. Okay. So it says, today I learned on Reddit, Adam West, who played Batman, and Frank Gorshin, he played the Riddler. They were once kicked out of an orgy. Oh my gosh. Because no, they I'm not going to like Because this. they insisted in staying in their characters of Batman and Riddler. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You could have found like a better fun fact for me <laughs> for this was, episode. I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. John Lyon. Um, I don't even know what to say about that one. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. I, Should I we talk about my story that I told you that you didn't want me to say on the podcast, but I'm going to. Anyways. No, no. I wanted you to keep it for the podcast because my reaction was so like. Wow. Okay, yeah. so Jessica told me she told me a story like an hour or two ago while we were, we were eating dinner. When he got mad because he goes, "You should have said that for the podcast." Well, then you would have got my real reaction. I know. Well, anyway. I got your real reaction. Just the podcast one. Yeah. So, so don't tell them where you work, but say that someone came up and said, "I got to tell you a story." Yeah. Can I say I work at a hotel? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I work at a hotel. I was checking someone in, and they were. There was a group of, there was three of these guys, and they said, I got to tell you a crazy story that we heard from a coworker. It was a coworker's friend that she had gone to England Mm -hmm. um, overseas, and so she was doing Tinder over there, and she met a guy. Wait, they have Tinder in Europe? I'm just kidding. No, I'm serious. I was a joke. Yeah, they have Tinder. It's it's worldwide. I'm sure. Anyways, so she did Tinder and then um, matched with this guy, met this guy. And, like, made out with him and stuff and then went back to the United States. And then when she got back to the United States, she started developing this rash on her face. And so she it got really bad, so she went to the doctor. And everyone thought or she assumed, like, when I asked you that it was, like, some sort of STD or something like that. Right, that's or, what you're thinking, yeah. right? So she goes to the doctor and the doctor is like, um, well, this type of rash can only happen if you're eating human flesh. And she's like, what? <laughs> and so she ended up, like, I guess reporting it to the police in Europe. And they went to the guy's house and they, the guy had, like, two dead bodies in his in his freezer. That and he was eating them. is disgusting. She's lucky she didn't get eaten. I know. And she she's just lucky. died. She's so lucky. Anyways, I don't know how true it is, but, I mean, they were pretty, like, blown away by the story because it was their coworker's friend. Yeah. So... That's disgusting. Yeah. And I was asking crazy. you, like, did she, like, not ever go over to his apartment? Was the guy smart enough to, like, let's just go somewhere else? Because if you get thirsty in the middle of us making out or want to go in for some <laughs> food, you're going to find some fingers fingers and, and stuff. And so cheeks. Not, and, not tri-tip or steak oh, or anything. Ugh. So gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. There's some weird people in this world. Yeah. Anyway, well, the good thing is they, they caught the guy. So. Yeah. If you guys hear periodic pauses, we might be uh, looking over at our baby monitor because our daughter's sleeping right now. So we just have the video, but we don't have any sound. So anyway, so today, like I said, hopefully no one's grossed out by that story you just told. Yeah, it's it's fine. Oh, do you think it tastes like chicken? 
Human flesh? <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, I would so, think it'd be very gamey, though. Gamey? Like, yeah, like deer or something like tough like that. Depends on how mus- muscles, muscles, muscles the person had too, huh? That's true. Ugh. I don't want to think about that. Okay. Um, On to the next topic. (laughs) So I brought, this is kind of a long time coming as far as the episodes. Ever since my brother thought that I should do the What It's Like to Be series, interviewing people and stuff like that. Um, I've always been, I got some good topics coming up. I have a coworker coming on this weekend and that episode will go up next week and things like that. But um, so this is number six of What It's Like to Be. And I guess the topic is going to be what it's like to be to have a father pass away or have it lose a parent? Is yeah. that how you want to say it? Yeah, what it's like to lose a parent. Yeah, what it's like to lose a parent. So Jessica and I have been married for, it'll be seven years in May. Yeah. And I never met your dad. No, because it will be 10 years. It'll be 10 years this year since he's passed away. Okay. So you passed away in October, in October. right? Of 2009? Yep. Okay. So a little history on us. Like we're both from the same city, Moreno Valley, California. Yep. We didn't know our, each other our entire lives until after we both got back from our... No, how far do you think we live from each other? Like, less than 10 miles? Yeah. Like, our older five siblings, miles even? Our older siblings knew each other, but we didn't ever know each other. I no. mean, a part of it was probably because I was homeschooled, and I didn't really care for going to a lot of our church activities. Yeah. But, um, so we met because I, when I got home from Philadelphia... I was working at Chick-fil-A with your sister, Vanessa. Yes. And then... Shout out to Vanessa. Yeah. And then you got home a year later and you got home from Spain. Yes. España. I was in Spain. Yes. So that's kind of the... And then we met and then we were just friends, but you didn't really want to hang out with us because you were trying to adjust to the (sighs) fact that you were back. Plus you didn't have a dad, so you were trying to adjust to that. And I thought you guys were young. And immature. You thought you were way younger than us. Turns out you're only like... Five and a half months younger than me. Older. Older than me. You're younger than me. Um, yeah. Um, so. Kind of cool, too, is we both, John and I, uh, his mom years later found that we had both spoken at, um, we did like a, a graduation for a church thing and at, for seminary. and She we, saved the program. She, yeah. John's mom saved the program. And John and I, on the program, we had both spoken. So that means we had to sit sat right next to each other and didn't even realize and it. didn't really even know each other that's when i saw my giant curly afro though crazy yes before cultural appropriation was a thing yes you're right and yeah. i look like i was 20 and i was 17 so. yeah, and i was 17 or 18 so and you look like you're 14 <laughs> yeah probably um i didn't have a suit on though um so we then i was dating somebody else at the time and then eventually you moved up to utah and then uh for about a year and a half anytime you and your sister would come back to visit Marino Valley and hang out with all of his friends. We'd hang out anytime us friends planned a trip to go up to Utah. We'd hit you guys up and we'd have a good time. Yeah. Um, and then when I eventually moved up here, we started dating history. What is the long story short? Long story longer, as I like to say sometimes, because yeah. I tell long stories and I said I'm going to say long story short. Um, <laughs> we've been married now for Almost, almost seven, seven years, years and our, we have a daughter now. She's almost nine months old. So she's so cute too. Yeah. She's my favorite. We are a little biased, but I'm pretty sure every parent is. So mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to interview Jessica tonight and just kind of have a conversation about what it's like to lose a parent. I have both of my parents, but the interesting is my dad got sick with a certain form of leukemia. He's been in remission for years now, but he got sick around the same time Jessica's dad did. And Jessica's dad got sick while you were still on your 
religious excursion in Spain. Yes. And I actually went over to your house to support Vanessa the day your dad passed away. Yeah. But I hadn't met you yet. So that's kind of the story of how we're involved, how we met. Yeah. And hopefully this won't be too much of a drag. Um, hopefully we can throw some fun stuff into it. But, um, but yeah. So I just wanted to do it because anytime I'm doing these interview style podcasts, I kind of just want to get as much interesting topics or interesting people. And so I figured death is a very, unfortunately, a very common thing. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to have very similar perspectives with the religious background, but I'm going to also try to ask questions and tie in things of how you maybe coped with it on a non-religious way for anyone sure. who's listening. So that way they can take basic steps to how to cope with death but um yeah i think i have some good things we'll get to that yeah so uh um, kind of just overall background like how is your overall relationship with your dad oh awesome because so, all i ever heard was positive things about him yeah i never met him i and, saw him at church activities because yeah. he was so big but so, i never met him i know that's like a pretty cliche thing like after someone passes away they're like the positive perfect things. right and yeah. you only remember like with the good things about them but honestly there was there wasn't anything bad about him. Like he was such an amazing dad and all my siblings feel the same way. And my mom feels the same way as far as an amazing husband. He was very loving, very affectionate. Um, he like, if we were, um, if we were even out and about standing around, he just put his arm around you or, um, he would, he just always made you feel loved. Um, and he always, there, there's five girls in my family and then one boy and he was really good at making sure us girls felt beautiful and mm-hmm. that we knew it and we knew our value, which I think is great. And um, he's a he was a really big man. He was six six, which is really tall, and he was about probably about two eighty, sometimes three hundred pounds. Which yeah. he, but I never thought he was fat. Like he was just, just massive. Like which was he why was I built. S- I said I, I would see him at church activities growing up. Yeah, I recognized who hard he was. To miss. Yeah, but I never met, officially yeah. met him. So. He really, he's a really sweet face. With sometimes his cheeks would get really rosy. He has like this nice cheeks, warm face, and I don't know. He's just a really good man. Um, he was very religious, and um, however, he was also very accepting of people. Uh-huh. Of any type of pe- person. Yeah. Um, one of his best friends, I remember growing up, he was gay. And um, my dad just loved him. Like, and it was never an issue. And that, I mean, that was a long time ago, too, when that would have been a more of a taboo topic. Yeah. So he taught us to accept those around you and to love them, even if you don't agree with their lifestyle. And so, um, yeah, it was just good things. Like, he would take us to, like, I my memories of him, like, taking us to daddy-daughter dances at the school, and he was the dad that would get out there and dance with you. He wouldn't just sit there because he was embarrassed. Yeah, that would, like, be, that'd be, that would be you. I would not dance in public. <laughs> Dancing's weird. He would get out there, and he would dance with us, and he just didn't care. He was very confident, and um, that rubbed off, rubbed, off, rubbed off on all of us, too, his confidence. And he loved life, and he also was a bit of a storyteller and he would embellish things too i think some things i think he'd over exaggerate mm, <laughs> sounds like a campbell thing <laughs> which i would yes yeah, sometimes i over exaggerate things but yeah, i've had to call you out on it like you and your sisters will be talking like and then they said this and they said this i'm like i was there that did not happen like that but that's just you guys telling stories yeah the way you do. that's just yeah 
but there was one story he told this kind of he, he loved how big he was too that's something like he really owned and he loved yeah and um he, he told a story that he was the only one there so we'll, we'll know how true it is i think i like to think it's true but so he was um getting ready to go to a church activity well he was um like a church event and he was dressed in he had a white shirt and a tie like like a suit slacks and slacks stuff, yeah. yeah and he at this time had a small car he had like a ford probably a taurus or something so he looked like a uh, mr card. incredible in the car yes exactly <laughs> that's a great description and from the he was, yes so then he was at the gas station and he i guess he um, cut someone off and didn't realize it. And he parked and he was going to gonna pump gas, but he was still in his car. And the guy that he cut off, he came up to his window and starts yelling at my dad. So my dad rolls down the window and the guy sucker punches my dad. My dad's like, oh no, this is not going to happen. So my dad steps out of the car and this guy was little compared to my dad. Yeah. And the guy didn't realize how big he was, you know. Like so he's in the car, yeah, he's sitting down. Yeah. So then my dad goes and the guy swings again at him, at my dad. Because I think the guy realizes, well, I better just go for it. So according to my dad, he pick, picks the guy up because he's small. and Well, a lot of people are small compared to my dad. So <laughs> he picks the guy up and he... Puts like he shoves his head into the pole at the gas station uh-huh. over and over again until the guy gets knocked out. And they call the cops, and he waited. And people were saying that my dad, it was self defense for my dad. And so basically, like your dad used the guy as like a a ramming door, like yes. when they ram doors with like a exactly freaking tree, like in the medieval so, times. I don't know. He was very tough. And the question is, did he still <laughs> get his gas afterwards? Or did uh, he get, absolutely. And did he get a soda? Uh, I'm sure he Act like did. nothing happened, just go in and get a big gulp or something. That's exactly what he would have done. He loves soda. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, I don't, I don't know how true that story is, but I like to think it, it's true. Yeah. He's Mr. Tough Guy, but he was also a big teddy bear too. So yeah. just a really good man. And you ask anyone who knows him, they really don't have anything bad to say about him. Yeah. So he's, so then he's great. What was, uh, so you're the fifth out of six kids like me. Yes. So what's like your greatest memory of him? That's kind of a broad, that's a very hard thing, but anyone that sticks out? You know what? I just, hmm, I have so many, really, so many good childhood memories of him. Um, Like having family night with him. Like Uh we would, every Monday night, we would gather as a family and... He would like go over like family business. We'd we'd pray. We'd sing songs. We would do things like that, play games. And uh, he was just he was just there. He was very present, which I think that's great. He would take us took us to Disneyland a lot. And growing up, like I did, my parents didn't have a lot of money growing up, and so I don't know how they afforded it to be honest. Um, <laughs> Because back then it would have only been like yeah, I guess back then it wasn't as expensive. I mean, it was still expensive for the times, but he just he liked going to Disneyland. He liked um, uh, he he was very much like life was kind of like a fairy tale. That's kind of the way he painted it for me. That you can do anything, and like you can be a princess, and like. In John's face, freak. But you know what I mean, like yeah, I get it. But that just but like funny. the the whole fairy tale side of Disneyland, like yeah, that yeah. was very much him. Like you could do anything you want; nothing's impossible. And so I don't know if that 
answered your question. Probably not, but no, that's, I mean, it's a very so, hard question. There's, yeah, that was kind of broad. Cause how many years did you have with them? 21? 22. 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like there's so many members you could pull from. Yeah. Um, so, and then, um, any more questions or you want to get to, no, I have a few more okay. before we get into like the details of when you got sick and stuff, but sure. wh- what do you think's the greatest thing he taught you? I know one I could bring up that you always talk about, but I mean, you might have some more. Uh, you always talk about when he ditched you out of your credit card debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. Like right before you left on your mission, because they ask that you should be debt free for the uh-huh. most part before you uh, yeah. head out. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I remember calling him too. I was at, outside my apartments and I knew that I wanted to go on a mission. Yeah. But I knew I had, I know probably, it was probably like $5,000. So it wasn't like a lot of debt, but yeah. to me it was. And it was like Victoria's Secret credit cards, like Old Navy credit cards. So basically you got suckered Express. into it. Would you like to open a credit card with yes, us today? And then you're exactly. Like, yeah, sure. And I maxed them all out and I had a lot of <laughs> makeup and clothes and it was wonderful. And, um, but I couldn't go because I had this debt that I needed to pay. I also had Girl Scout cookies too. Oh, we can tell that story right now. <laughs> we should tell that So there's a little side tangent. Me and Jess are married for about six months. She gets a call at night and she's like, John, I think I'm getting sued. And I was like, what? And then I listened to what the message says. It's automated. And then she, I just listened to it more and she find out she's in collections. Yep. She calls the next day. And this, so this would have been 2012. Yeah. So you got. So this was 2008. Eight. You signed, you wrote a I, check for Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, two boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Which would have been like, what, 30 bucks? 20 no, bucks? No, like 15 bucks. So then because collections couldn't track her down and because it'd been like. And I closed my bank account before yep. I left on my mission. It'd be like, what, 2000s? Before the check had cleared. 2008, 2012, that's like four or five years. So I stiffed the Girl Scouts and. <laughs> and you end up having to pay $200 in collections. For Girl Scout cookies. So that was the most expensive box of Girl Scout, two boxes of Girl Scout cookies you'd ever. I was, I was 21 at the time and I just didn't understand how money and life worked. Yeah, that you had to have money in the bank to write a check. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was funny though. I Jessica was freaking out. Decisions. I think I'm getting sued, John. <laughs> but yeah, so he he told me. I remember calling him and asking, you know, telling him, "Dad, I want to do this. I I want to go on this mission, but I can't because I have this debt." And he said that he would take care of it for me if I'd go, which was, was pretty nice awesome. Yeah. What are some other things he taught you though? Um, Besides being financially dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind if you maxed out your credit card on Victoria's Secret. Oh, my gosh. That was so awkward. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my gosh. Um, things he taught me. I mean, he taught me to have a love for God, which is really important for my whole life, the base of my life, and um, to to love life and to be happy and to love those around me. And I think love like if you love people you can change people like I feel like I love you and I've changed you because of the way I love you if that makes sense yeah I've changed the person you are because of the love I've given you you're talking about changing me I've changed you yes <laughs> I've been changing you and molding you since the day we got married <laughs> to the person I want you to be <laughs> yeah, it might have gone slower than other days but I'm a little stubborn but no but I think that's pretty powerful um so yeah, I think those are the greatest lessons from him. 
Yeah, and I think so, I mean, like I all of her. I came. I'm. It's a weird dynamic for me because I came into the family where your old, all of your older siblings were already married, and they, yeah. and then all of your in laws or brothers and sister in laws got to know your dad for many years. So I yeah. just only hear everything about him. And I still, every time we hang out when we go down to California, they, they always bring up your dad at least once or twice and like how cool he was and stuff. Yeah, but um, he was super cool. Like I even. I was side note. I just thought of a story when I moved to college. I was in Utah in college and in Cedar City, which is probably about a six-hour drive from where we lived in California. And he would just show up sometimes at my work. Like he would just be in town, like on a on a whim. He'd That's be there. Crazy. He'd be there for a night. And remember one time in particular. So he was a he was a an exterminator, and so he had these business cards, and he. In Cedar City, it was pretty common during that time just to leave your door unlocked, even if you're not there. Yeah, it's a small town. People just kind of come in and out. Three exits. But, I mean, I'm from a city where you don't do that. that. And so, anyway, so he went to our apartment, and because I was roommates with my older sister, Christy, he went to our apartment, and it was unlocked. And so he went to our bedrooms, and he put his – he wrote – a message on his business card. I still have it. And he put it on our pillows. And then I'm watching you. Yes. It says like, I'm watching you. (laughs) And then right. Creepy. And then he got so mad at us. It was like, you girls need to lock your doors. Mm -hmm. So he was pretty funny, but yeah, he would just, he would do that. He did. He would do that with my sister, Allison. Um, He would go and just pick her and her kids up and take them to California. Like just because. Because he could. Yeah. The business that he owned. He had so, own hours. Yeah. He would go, his parents lived in St. George and he would just go and visit them on like a day trip type of thing. Yeah. He loved to drive too. It's like um, my dad. Yeah. He loved to drive and he loved listening to his music yep. and he just, he loved it. So yeah, like when I hear all these stories about your dad and your brothers and sister-in-laws talking about him and stuff, um, it was interesting for me because when I came into it and I had to ask your mom if I could marry you mm-hmm. i had to ask your mom right. which i would ask your parents anyways yeah. but your dad wasn't there so the when i i remember when i had to ask your mom we went to in and out real quick and got like a shake yeah and she's like well i was trying to ask i didn't know what because uh, i guess all the your other brothers and brother they mm-hmm. uh they asked your dad um and i guess the two questions that he asked them which your brother's-in-law um, told my mom. Told your mom to ask me, which is what's your favorite sports team, and then why you love my daughter. Obviously, it was easy to answer the second one. I had to lie about the first one because I think sports are stupid. That's <laughs> well, stupid. You just don't watch them. I just don't like them. I don't watch them. Which Jessica's probably appreciative of because I play a lot of video games. Oh my so goodness! Yes. She couldn't handle me playing video games and watching sports. Yeah. So I'm the kind of guy who knows a lot about sports, but I do it in a way to. Because I can keep up with conversations, but I like to instigate fights between people of, yeah. like, two teams. Like, oh. But my dad was a huge sports guy. Yeah. Him so, and my brother, and we would watch sports. So. Yeah. So I knew the answer was, I would say, the Lakers. Yeah. That was his That's team. the answer I said to your mom. I think I even said, like, if I did like sports, it would be, it's La- like the be Lakers. It's pa- like the secret password. Yeah. <laughs> Lakers. So, I mean, that was a unique situation of having to ask your mom yeah. and your dad not being around to so, if I could marry you. So. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, um, so when I was 20, I was 20, and um, I decided I was going to serve a mission, and I couldn't go till I was 21, which, I mean, I think it was only like six months. However, at first, I didn't want to go, because when, in the culture of our church is that 
you if at that time you could sisters uh, sisters <laughs> the women in the church couldn't go until they were 21 and young men went at 19 and young men went at 19 and nine uh, young men go at for 2 years and then the women only go out for 18 months yeah which People would ask me, aren't you mad that you can't go out for two years? You can only do a year and a half. What I would tell them is the reason is because the reason there was only 18 months for women is because we're more efficient. Uh, yeah. There you good. go. Good. But I didn't want to go because it was all the only people that I saw that went were weirdos or people who couldn't get married type of thing. Yeah. Or didn't go to school or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I just felt like, oh, I don't want to go. They since then in 2012 made it's the changed. change to where now it's, it's 19, 19 for women a, and 18 a ton of for men. Young women, of young women who went out and still go out now. So yeah, which I think is awesome. It was an amazing experience, but I didn't want to go first. But then I, I decided, excuse me, I decided it would be a really good thing for me. So I, Stupid soda. <laughs> so I decided to go and I put, called pay, you know, felt these paperwork and then I turned my papers in and then I um, got the call back that I was going to be serving in the Spain Malaga mission, which I didn't even think about that as a possibility. Yeah. Like Spain, how cool is that? And speak Spanish. The original Spanish. Get to learn Spanish. And um, so... I prepared and it came time for me to go and I was up at college and a month before my dad came up to come get me, um, to so take could, all my stuff down yeah. so I could leave from California. Hang and, out with your family for yeah, the last month before you leave. Exactly. So he came and picked me up with all my stuff in his truck, his work truck. And, um, it was just me and him. And we talked a lot on that road trip. I remember it clearly. I actually have it written down in my journal, the, my road trip with mm-hmm. him, and a few things that were said. And one of the things that kind of just struck me is, you know, he was telling me how proud he was of me for going and doing this. And because he served a mission for our church a lot, you know, in when he 70s. was younger in the 70s in Philadelphia, where John served. And it was like the Eastern States. Yeah. Mission it was, boundaries it was were a lot, it was, lot bigger it was back then. The Harrisburg mission is what it was. But yeah. he did serve in the city of Philadelphia. But um and then my brother also went. And so none of my sisters went. And so I think it was it kind of bonded us and he was really proud of me. So he was sharing this with me that he was proud of me and I remember exactly where we were at. We were just um it was because I was living in Provo at this time. I was living in northern Utah. So we were just, I want to say, outside of Nephi. Which when, is like the middle of nowhere. When we were having this conversation, I think. Yeah, anyways, it doesn't matter exactly where we were. But um, he tells me, hey, like, I want you to stay out on your mission. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if I, if, if I die. Like he said that it doesn't matter if I die, you just, you need to stay out there. Like it's more important that you're out there and you're helping people. And I was like, okay, whatever. That's weird. Yeah. Anyways, but we had great conversations and then I went home and then I, I went to the end to the missionary, missionary training center. Um, they had to bring me back up to Utah drove, we drove up there. Side note, I was reading Twilight on <laughs> the car on the ride up the last Ugh. book. I had to finish because when you're a missionary, you just you don't read um, regular books and stuff. You focus on um, just you focus on church stuff only. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anyways, so that's a side note. But um, so 
I go and I say goodbye to my dad and my mom and my sisters. And I think it was, it was Vanessa that was with me. And then my grandma and grandpa Rots were with us too. And, um, this is when you would actually go in to and sit down in the training center yeah, and then when they would have a little presentation and then families go one way and missionaries go the other way. Yep. And so I got up, I gave them all a hug and I left and, and that was that. And I started my, my adventure. Um, and that was the last time you saw your dad. And that was the last time I saw my dad. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. when was the last time you spoke to your dad? Cause for anyone who doesn't know, well, they freaking changed it cause Generation Z can't handle being away from home that long anymore. Hey, I think it's good for some missionaries and yeah, whatever. It's fine. Uh, so <laughs> the rule when we were on uh, missionaries was uh, you get to email home every single week or write a letter or write a letter or both. Um, and I did both. And then the other one was you could call home every Mother's Day and every Christmas. Yes. So for men missionaries like me, you got four phone calls. Yeah. Basically. And then you probably got like, what, two or three? Oh, you got, probably got three, depending on when you're, it lied or where it, where it landed. Oh my gosh, lied. Um, depending on where the holidays yeah, landed. Yeah, three. Yeah. So then you left what month? In August. You left in August of 2008. Mm-hmm. So then you- I talked to my family at Christmas time and I actually, I actually sent them a video of- That my... would have been my last phone call. Yeah. December 2008. So I sent them a video of my adventures in Spain with my first companion, which, I mean, I was in a good spot, having a good time, learning a lot and growing. And I had a great companion. We call each other companions. Is that? Yeah. yeah. That's what they, uh, um, that's the technical term. For the, you're paired with another person. And so there's you typically two, sometimes three. But um, so I had one other person I would go around Spain with in the city of Granada, which was amazing. But anyway, so yeah, I got to talk to my parents and my sis- my siblings, and then I got to talk again on that Mother's Day so of that, 2009, yep. and I, I remember talking to my dad, and he just lost it. Like, like crying and stuff? Crying, like hysterical, and I was just like, Dad, like, it's okay, no big deal. But he was just, it was weird. Like, he was an emotional person, so I mean, I guess it wasn't out of character, but... It's almost like he's like he could sense that this time was he wasn't sick or anything. It was just like he almost like he could sense that this is the last time he's going to talk to you. I mean, I don't know. It was weird. And he sent me three only three letters. He didn't write very much. My mom, however, was very faithful and wrote me every single week. That's how my and emailed me every single week. And my dad wrote me three letters, which Um, they're really good letters. So I received my last letter from him in September. Of 2009? Of 2009. And it was all about faith and having faith. And um, it was a really, it's a really cool letter uh, and kind of where his head was at. But um, before we get to where, when he was sick, I kind of want to explain some cool, some cool stuff that happened. So rewind to the the Missionary Training Center. I got paired up with an awesome companion and we became really good friends her name is if you want to drop her name suzanne suzanne it's not swenson anymore huh she got married yeah anyway but anyway so suzanne we hit it off we're both from california we just you know she was super cute um not typical missionary kind of like how i felt like i was yeah and um we just hit it off and then we were together for 
I mean, nine weeks, 12 weeks, I forgot. Because you had to learn Spanish. Or the yeah. Basics. So we were in Provo together. And then we, after two weeks, we got to go to the Spain training, missionary training center, which was really cool. And we were there together. And then we got separated and we were separated. We saw each other like briefly a couple times at meetings, at and, meetings stuff. and conferences when all the missionaries would get together, but we were separated. And then, and it wasn't very common for, for like, we never thought we'd get paired up again because that's just not common. It doesn't happen. Two, two missionaries are out the same exact amount of time, aren't typically paired up together. Usually you have one that's been out longer with one that's younger. Yeah. For like experience so, purposes. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, they have these things called transfers. And it's every six weeks. So a transfer is six weeks long. And you could be with that missionary for six weeks or you can be with them for multiple transfers. Yeah. I had some companions where I was with them for like six months or something like that. Yeah. So then you basically were companions with her in the missionary training center. Yeah. And then you get paired up yeah, towards so, the end. I mean, yeah. So it, it, was, August, it was August 1st. I wrote it down because I looked at my journal. And um, let's see here. Um, you got some notes. Yeah, I have notes. Um, okay, yeah, it was August 1st, and I was currently in the Canary Islands on the island in um, Gran Canaria, the Grand Canary Island, which um, Canary, they were known for like dogs, like Canary dogs, not birds. That's weird. You know, and they have like dog statues everywhere. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Huh. Yeah. That's See, a fun fact. Beautiful island. The my apartment was like on the ocean. It was super cool. Oh really? Mm-hmm. They had like really clear blue water there. Yeah, uh, I think I never actually got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the water. So and they filmed some movies in those like Mediterranean yeah, Sea areas. So beautiful. It's really blue water. It's beautiful. And I just beat Assassin's Creed so, Odyssey in Greece. And I, oh gosh. <laughs> so you've been there? Yeah. I have. No, you have not. Ancient so, Greece. <laughs> so I was on this beautiful island. And then we got that, I remember that night on August 1st, we got calls that I was going to be transferred to another island, the island of Tenerife, which was even more beautiful than the island I was on. It was, it's an island that has black sandy beaches in the north and white sandy beaches in the south. And what the a, hell? That's segregation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And they have a... Um, Mother Nature Mother is Nature. <laughs> and then a, a volcano, El Teide, in the middle. What does that translate to? The volcano? No. I don't actually know. <laughs> it's T-E-I-D-E. I'm not sure what that stands for. I'll have to look it up. But beautiful. I actually went to the volcano. It was really pretty. And um, so beautiful. I, I found out I was going to be transferred there. But the crazy thing is um, there hadn't been any sisters or women missionaries on that island in years. All right. So, and then I found out I was going to be paired with Suzanne again. And we were going to what they called they called whitewashing is what it was called i don't know if that's a great term yeah but that's what you would call it um mostly that term came from because most elders or men missionaries wear white shirts yeah. so that's what they called it that i'm pretty so sure you whitewashed basically we took over an area where there was two elders or two um, young men and they were taking them both out and putting us both in instead of leaving one missionary there and a new one coming to, so we yeah. so me and Suzanne had to learn the area together yeah brand new like it was just wild like it felt like unreal so I go on the plane on one island it was seriously like a 20 minute flight you go up and back down to the next island that's it yeah did he give you any peanuts 
uh, I don't even remember. Probably not. It was just like a little rickety plane. And um, so we get together and it was just good times. Like we, and we had, we fought sometimes, but uh, the best friends do. Yeah. But we, we were, we were being very successful with finding people that wanted to hear our message about Jesus. And it was just like good, good things going. And we were together for a couple months. Well, so August, September, and then in October, on October 16th, I received a phone call from my mission president. And that's someone who's over all the missionaries yeah. in the area, making sure things are running smoothly. Yeah. I get a phone call from him in the morning, and Suzanne picked it up. Um, I was actually sleeping in that morning. <laughs> You're not supposed to Sounds do that. right. <laughs> and, um, Jessica loves sleeping. I do. <laughs> I struggled on my mission. <laughs> Anyways, um... She, she, I, and then I think I ran to the restroom or something, and then she's like, "Hey, you need to call president like right away." So I called him, and he's like, um, "Hermana, sister, that's what you call each other." Um, I just want to let you know that like your dad is, he's really sick. He has pneumonia, and which is crazy because like when you think about 52. pneumonia, yeah, when you think about, but when you think about pneumonia nowadays, you don't think of something that like. That could kill some, you. Yeah, or some serious. Like, I know, like, it sounds like it could definitely for, like, babies and for kids, but, yeah. like... Well, and anyway. older people. But, I mean, he was 52. Yeah. He was pretty... I mean, he was pretty healthy. You know, he was a big man. But I had heard, and like, that he was working out a lot, and he lost a lot of weight, actually. Oh. And that he was going to the gym, lifting weights. and Getting swole. So, yeah, that's what I had heard of him. And so he was telling me, yeah, he's really sick and your family, your mom's going to call you in like 10 minutes and she's going to talk to you and explain the situation. And then, and then he starts like telling, giving me scriptures and different things that like your, you know, families can be together forever and telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, as if he's going to die. Yeah. I'm like, okay, president, like it's fine. Like he's sick, whatever. And so then he hangs up the phone with me. My mom calls me and she gets, to, you know, fills me in a little bit more. And I found out he was sedated, which um, he couldn't breathe on his own. So they put a tube down his um, down his throat. Yeah. And so it could help him breathe. And um, he, you know, he was sick and he wasn't getting better. And it was a roll. I had, at that point, I think it only been a couple of days since he was in the So they waited hospital. a few days to maybe call a, you. Maybe even a day. Yeah. Like a day. And my mom just told me that they needed my prayers and my faith and... And then it was just kind of a whirlwind, and it was a 10-minute phone call. It was a really quick phone call from yeah. her. And I got off the phone, and I had to go throughout my day. And yeah, because, like, taking a step back, you last time you talked to your mom or your family was Mother's about day. six months before that. Yeah. So, or, like, yeah, like, six, almost six, maybe a little less than six months before that. And it's, when you're a missionary, you're in the schedule and in the mindset. Like Yeah, you're, you're very busy, You're too. very busy, and you already get under the especially when you you you're out longer mm-hmm. you get under the mindset of like yeah my family's doing good i'll write them every week and i'll talk to them and hear their voices in in you know this many months or this many weeks yeah so just receiving a phone call and talking to your mom would throw you off to be anyways yeah it i did. would think and we had a lot going on we had a lot scheduled that day too and we were busy teaching people like it was it was busy yeah and then um we went to Telly pizza for lunch and um, which is a, it was a really good pizza place there. It was just, like cheap. It was like five bucks, mm-hmm. and you get like a lot of food. And then we decided to um, uh, we decided to start a, a fast, um, which is we decided to go without food for twenty four hours as a um, 
don't know how do you explain it. How do you do you explain it as a sacrifice? I mean, people do people do to... fasting for medical things. Like they say, don't eat food or water yeah. before no, surgery. People but... do like social media fasts. Yeah, so I did it from food. Yeah, and then you kind of dedicate that sacrifice, hoping that you'll get something better in return for the prayers that you're. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's a it's a religious thing. Yeah. So we just, we did it for twenty four hours. So but that was the last thing we. Eat. And so we decided to do that, you know, and then we prayed for him and we just went out throughout our week. And then so wait, I, you had, we went like the whole week just thinking that your dad's or knowing that your dad's sick. Did yeah. you think he was going to get better? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, that night that my mom called me, um, I remember I went to sleep pretty quick because I was tired. Yeah. And I woke up at like four in the morning and I just had all these thoughts and like anxiety like just feeling super anxious. And so I went out to the front room of our apartment. Oh, wait, let's back then, up real quick. Sorry. Right. Yeah, go ahead. How many months did you have left? So this is October. So October, November, November, December, December, January, this February. This is like mid-October. So November, December, January, February, four months. So you had about four months left four until you were going to see your family. Yeah. For the first time in a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just adding a little context to it of how long you didn't, you weren't like, Three months in, or like no, you were like you're pretty, mu- you're almost done. Yeah, it's towards the end, and I mean, I was on the the balcony of our apartment outside of this island, and I just started sobbing and crying, and like I didn't know what to do. Like it just really hit me yeah. that night. Like once everything had, settled down, yeah. your schedule, like my dad you finally, is sick. You finally and, had time to think about it. Yeah, and so like I prayed a lot that night. I prayed for hours. Actually, it was the longest I've ever prayed in my life. Uh, I've never been through something like that where, you know, I never crossed my mind that my dad could get sick. Yeah. You know, um, it's never crossed my mind. And so uh, we went out our, through our week. We had a baptism scheduled. Pedro, he's so cute. <laughs> but um, he's a Dominican man. He was funny. But we had a, we had a baptism on, like, a, I don't remember the day of the week. So we had a baptism, and then I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I needed to know what was happening because it had been days. Yeah. And so I actually Skyped my family. I didn't ask permission. I just, Skype was a thing. I just did it. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't ask for permission. I actually, I went over to, there was an older missionary couple that was on the island with us that lived a couple blocks away. Yeah. And um, I we went to their house, and I said, I need to Skype my mom. And they had a computer. Because yeah. I didn't have access to a computer. I had to go to a locutorio, which is like... Library or a coffee um, shop? It's a coffee shop, yeah, that had... You pay for your internet and you can email or whatever you yeah. want. But they had a computer. So I said, I just need to Skype my my parent, my mom. Like, I need to know what's going on. And so I ended up Skyping my family. And um, I think they were shocked that I, I did that. But... I just needed to know what was happening. And they told me a couple of things, you know, ups and downs. And my dad had, um, what's the term? Um, died, <laughs> uh, like code blue type of thing. Oh, where he flatlines, flatlines, but they, they could bring him back. Yeah. And they brought him back. And so that was crazy. And there was a lot of people there. And then anyway, it was just really good to like kind of hear what was going on. And, but he was still alive. And we had thought, I thought he was going to get better. And then they ended up putting, I must have called too, because at that point they put, maybe it was a separate time. No, I think it was that day. They put the phone up to his ear and I talked to him. 
did but he was kind of out right oh he was yeah he was sedated so yeah, yeah. he couldn't talk basically he couldn't, sleeping yeah he was like sleeping so they put the f- the phone up to his ear so he could hear me and i just cried <laughs> I didn't say anything profound or anything. I love you, Dad. And I just cried and sobbed. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's all I did. And then um, but I still at that point didn't think I was going to lose him. Yeah. And then a couple of days after that, I got an email uh, that he was actually doing they, – they were hopeful and he was doing better. They were going to take him off life support and see how he did. And see if he'd bounce back on his own without yeah. the machinery and, so and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's probably going to be fine. And then, and that was on, I wrote it down, I that was on October 19th. That was on your birthday, honey. Oh, yeah. I found that out on October 19th that he was actually, things are looking up. And so I was like, okay. So I kept going without my day. And then it was a Sunday, middle of the day for me. And I got a phone call on October 25th that he had passed away. And my mission president had called me and told me that, that he was gone, which I was like shocked. Like I just thought he was going to get better. Like how far into the phone call? Right away. Just right away. He, he, he's on the phone with me. He wasn't trying to like beat around the bush or anything? No, he actually said, I remember he was like, Edmonda Campbell, I have some bad news. And then he started, he lost it. He started crying. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that he was, I knew, I knew something from his that. reaction. Yeah. yeah. And I remember comforting him like president, it's okay. Like it's going to be okay. I remember, I remember comforting him because he was sobbing on the phone. Yeah. And then he let me know that, that he, he had passed away and that the older missionary couple, um, the Andrews, that I needed to go straight to their house right then. So we. So you dropped your missionary schedule at, and then just went yeah. straight over. And to it was um, we. It was the middle of the day. It was medio dia, so I was actually taking a siesta. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. do the two hours break yeah. in Spain. So um, yeah, and I cleared our night schedule, and so and that was it was on a Sunday that that happened, and um, we went over to the Andrews house and I actually skyped my family, at that point. Yeah. And they were all home. That was a Sunday, right? It was a Sunday. Yeah, because after church. That's when we skyped. But. That's when you were there. Yeah, but right? I I don't think no. I had just I had you had they had just finished skyping you when I arrived. That's what it was. Because that whole day at your at your mom's house, yeah, friends and family were stopping by, like giving them their condolences and stuff. And yeah. I was doing some sort of church meeting or something like that because I was involved with the youth or the young single adults like our yeah. age. And so I got the text or the call, and so I went and decided to go visit Vanessa because I was working with her at Chick Fil A at the time. Yeah. So. So yeah, so I skyped my family and just cried. How long did you Skype them for? At least an hour, maybe two. I mean, it was a long time. Yeah. It was a long time. But So well, like when you first found out your dad passed away, it was like the first thoughts or feelings that like came in, like came to you. Was it anger? Was it, it was peaceful? Peaceful? It was completely peaceful, which is crazy, right? Yeah. It was when I found out he was sick, I was more confused and angry at that point. Yeah. Then when I found out he had passed away, because I knew he wasn't suffering, uh-huh. and like I just knew that it was going to be okay. Like I just felt peace, which was pretty awesome. Because I know a lot of people don't get that experience. So. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, I felt peace. Later on, my feelings changed. Yeah. So then but, to kind of speed things up with, so you, then you're 
you talk to your family, they have the funeral, which is funny because I went to the funeral. Yeah, I listened to the funeral. They had actually. in the viewing area a computer set up. Yeah. And you were there and you could wave at any I family member or friend. people there. Yeah. And I might have waved at you just to be nice, but I had no idea who you were. Like, I only knew that you yeah, were Vanessa's sister. Um, so then you go through all these feelings of now you still have three months left. Mm-hmm. You're still doing missionary stuff. Yeah. You have to deal with all the feelings of how to move on and. Yeah cope with your schedule yeah. and all those feelings and emotions. And then eventually you get home mm-hmm. and you have to relive them all again. Cause yeah. by the time you had, so by the time from your, the time your dad passed away to the time that you were about to go home, did you feel like you had progressed pretty good as far as through the coping? Yeah. Yeah. I had gone through a lot like of different the, emotions. You'd be able to put like a air quotes bandage over all of it to be able to like, yeah, I was like I was nervous to go home. Yeah. And what I knew I was going to have to deal with a lot of emotions with my dad not being there. Yeah. And seeing my family again. Um and yeah. basically reopen all those but emotions. I was, I was ready to go home. Yeah, yeah. I was done. Like there was days that I was paired with a, a, you know, I was paired with a companion this time. It was after Suzanne, it was after I was with another companion. Her name was Jessica. And it was, that was a great companion for me at that time. And then I was paired with a different companion. I'm not going to say her name, which I hope she doesn't listen to this. She, anyways, <laughs> she It was a difficult companion. Yeah. She had some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. She um, maybe on the spectrum. I'm not sure. But she's so nice, but it was hard to talk to her. Yeah. I would sleep. I was like bad missionary mode at that point, sleeping in, um, angry, didn't want to talk to anybody. Like It was really hard for like a month. And then I got switched to different companion and there was three of us. And then I got to end my mission like on fire. Yeah. It was cool. But, and then I, I got home and seeing my family at first was, it was so nice, but it was hard too. And then my mom actually kept a journal of everything that was happening because she wanted me to experience it if you wanted to. Yeah. And so I actually, I read through everything. Didn't you take pictures too? Yeah, I didn't want to see him. I still, to this day, haven't seen the pictures. Yeah, because you didn't want to see him. Uh, she to... didn't take a picture of his dead body. I think my sister Shannon did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, she took, they took pictures of him in the hospital, and I didn't want to see those pictures. I wanted to remember him when I had said goodbye to him at the ministry training center. Yeah. I didn't want to remember him being sick. In the hospital or something. Yeah, so I've to this day, I've never seen, the, seen those pictures. And um, so where are we going with this? I don't know. Any more questions about that? I came home. It was hard. My mom kept this journal and we're, I went through it all. I went to his grave. I had in Spain after he'd passed, I had been collecting flowers and I pressed them in books. Oh, uh, okay. And I had tons of them and I laid them on his grave and that was therapeutic for me. Yeah. So, so then when you had to relive all those emotions again, because, again, mm-hmm. maybe, I'm assuming not all of them you had dealt with, but you'd probably dealt with a lot of them compared to maybe your family. Yeah. Because you were so busy. And, and I was then, actually talking about it a lot to people yeah. in Spain. So I, you were able to get a pretty clear perspective on it. But then yeah. you have to come back home and have to relive it again from people's perspectives who... Yeah, and each of my siblings shared with me their own their experience. Because theirs was completely different because they were they were there. Yeah. I wasn't there. Because you said from the time that he got sick to the time he passed away in the hospital was, it was eleven days. Eleven days of up mm-hmm. and downs. Yeah, and I wasn't there for any of that. Yeah. So um which Do you like 
looking back on it, do you wish you were there for it? Or are you, no. are you grateful that... I'm grateful I was not there. I think that would have been the hardest thing. Yeah. That you, you were uh, where you were banks. supposed to be and that yeah. you were able to and distance yourself. And They had to go through some hard stuff those 11 days. So that's emotional. Yeah. I don't envy them for yeah. having to go through that. Um, but yeah, I think for me talking about it, I talked about it a lot. And even after I got home, I talked about it a lot. Yeah. And I think that's something that helped me actually talked about the experience and, and I thought I was so unique. I thought, Oh, I have this like really unique tragedy that's happened to me, but this type of thing has happened to several people that I know. And I mean, people lose parents all the time. Yeah. Like young too. Yeah. And sometimes but, much more tragic ways. Yeah. Much more tragic ways. And so I'm really not that unique to be honest. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Um, so how did you, since, since your dad's passed away, how do you, how's that change your perspective on like death? Oh, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily afraid to die. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm, I have like a spiritual, I'm very spiritual when it comes to, to life and to death. And, um, I think that we, that life continues on, be, you know, beyond the grave Yeah. and that I'll see my dad again and I'll be with my family again. So, like, I think that perspective helps out a lot because we've actually met quite a few of our friends who've also lost parents. Yeah. And I think because you went through that experience, you were able to not not to say that your experience is better than like better than theirs or mm. theirs is better than yours. It's but you hard. were there to be a someone who could understand. Yeah. Because you could listen to them and they could be like, hey, I have questions on how do I get through this? Because, and they they may have not necessarily opened up to you like that, but yeah. they you were always an option to listen, yeah. to be able I to like go because, to. Because I've been through it, I can ask certain questions and push certain that things. That I couldn't or some other people couldn't. That other people couldn't because I've never been through it. But I mean, it's a really, it was really hard. Like I, you know, there was days I couldn't get out of bed. I was so emotional. I was angry. I was mad. I mean, I, I went through the grieving process. Yeah. I went through that all. And certain things that helped me were to talk about it, to write it down, write my feelings down. and So then, that I don't bottle up and stuff. Right. And then to live in the moment, too. That's something that has definitely helped me. Um, Just keep following throughout your daily schedule to keep your mind off stuff? Or what do you, what do you mean by living live? the moment? Like taking opportunities just to live life and oh, enjoy okay. life and... Um, another thing too I got into is hiking, um, since we've been married Yeah, and that's something that's been very, very therapeutic for me. And then I also ran a, a marathon t- a couple years ago and you've run also a couple half marathons. I ran a couple half marathons and those have been very healing too, because you push your body and your mind, your mind and those things have helped me heal. And I ran my marathon specifically for my dad. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. You didn't tell me that? <laughs> Probably not. I'm just kidding. And I was very, um, the music I listened to on the marathon was very specific. Um, it was a lot of his music that he liked. And actually, I asked my siblings to each give me one of their favorite songs, too. Mm-hmm. So I think I could put one of yours on, too. But that was probably the best. I, towards <laughs> the end, I had all songs that were like, remind me of my dad. Yeah. And so I felt like it was very therapeutic. So those are just some things that helped me. I know sometimes that's not going to help people. I mean, sometimes people need to go talk to a professional. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't have the need to do it. I mean, I mean, probably could have, and it probably could have helped me and could have saved some heartache, but I just did it. I coped in other ways. 
Yeah, and, and you kind of helpful. bring that up because I was I'm reading this book right now that I've been sharing some stuff with you, and they in the book they talk about you know the way a therapy's changed, mm-hmm. and they've kind of made our culture kind of softer because traumatic experiences used to be things that were physical, like someone who was raped, someone who was in war. Yeah. Things like that. And that's where like PTSD comes from. Right. And death didn't used to be a part of that category, which is very interesting because they say that because death, people die. Yeah. Even though death sucks and you miss the person and it feels empty. They say though that death's a normal thing. So right. a lot of people back in like years ago didn't need professions. Now some people do, but they're saying generally speaking, a lot of people can bounce back from a death of a loved one without any you know, therapeutic um, interventions or things like that. But they're saying nowadays it's, they're saying nowadays that people are making up maybe in their own head, like what's traumatic to them. And so that's why more things are getting put in the trauma category when they're not necessarily trauma. Um, And maybe that's just because we've lost on how to, to cope with things like death and things like that. Well, I think our society, we don't communicate very well anymore. Yeah. We're stuck in our phones and our electronics and our social media and our TV and our video games. Whoa, whoa. I only play at nighttime. <laughs> but I mean, you have when all these, asleep. you have all these distractions. <laughs> you have all these distractions now and people don't communicate the way they used to. So I think that definitely has some, that has got to play into it Yeah. with the, because of the way we are, that people don't deal with their feelings. You know, I And they had compare to, themselves to others on social yeah, media as well. But I had to deal with my feelings. I had to face them where people can just push those aside and let them bottle up. And that's not good. Yeah. You have to deal with those feelings um, as hard as they are and they hurt and you have to do the ugly cry several times and you got to get, you got to get throughout your system. Like you've got to face those feelings. Yeah. You've got to do things. Um, You got to go to the person's grave. You got to, you know, you just got to do those things. Those things will help you build and move past it. So what, what are some things that have gotten easier and what are some things that have still been hard yeah. 10 years later? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, time, you forget a lot of things, you know, you forget. So you still remember his voice though? Yeah. I still remember his voice. Yeah. And, um, and luckily your sister's been redoing and putting everything on DVD, like your, some of your old home videos. Yeah. Those are so fun you can to go, watch. You can go watch and still be able to yeah. have memories of him. Yeah. And I have beautiful memories of him. So, um, things have gotten easier. Like I don't. I don't break down like I used to. Yeah, because I remember even when we were first married, we figured, I had some like hard on Father's Day or just certain Sundays or certain Christmas, things like that. Christmas, you would kind of get a little hard. emotional. Yeah, but I think as um, as my siblings have had more children, um, and I've had my own daughter, like it puts things in perspective, and it those little babies have healed me because you realize, oh. Life's not just all about death. It's about birth and yeah. living. And we're here now, so we need to be happy and enjoy it now. And so I think that's um, something that's helped me and it's been easier. Some things that are still hard. I mean, um, you know, I think during those certain times of year, like his his, his anniversary angel date when he became an angel. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, instead I, of saying death date. Yeah. Um, that date's usually still pretty hard. Yeah. I just get a little emotional. His birthday, too, sometimes is hard. When's his birthday again? It's in April. Oh, it's close to yours, yeah. Yeah. So um, those are still hard. I get a little emotional, and I'll cry. Um, but I think that's good. It means I loved him, and I still love him, and he's still a part of me. 
Yeah. So I think it's healthy and good that I still have those emotions. And I probably always will. And I want to teach my daughter about him and who he is and, you know. Yeah, she's been crawling over to the part of the room where some of his stuff is because you had to move some of the things around and she keeps going for his tie. <laughs> so I even say like, oh, you're, gra- you're grabbing. Do you, gra- do you know the significance of that tie? No. That's the tie he wore the last day I saw him. Oh. That's why I have it. Okay. Yeah, I keep saying, like, what are you playing with Grandpa's tie? Which is weird for me saying because I've never met him. Yeah. Like, it is her grandpa. And then, obviously, your mom has remarried, so she'll have another grandfather. Yeah. So. My mom did remarry. It's crazy. Um. So then. How long have we been talking first? An hour. Oh, my gosh. We could probably wrap this up in a few minutes. Maybe just a little bit more about the, the not him being around. Do you think... Do you think you've been able to, I mean, everyone deals with it so differently. Like, do yeah, you feel like. Yeah, and each of my siblings have dealt with it very differently. Yeah. So. And then. Some harder than others. Yeah. Some. And it's just, I, I've personally never had to go through this. So I know it'll yeah. help out a lot when I eventually do have to go through it. Yeah. The closest it sucks. I've had, the closest <laughs> I person I've had pass away was, yeah. was uh, our, my nephew, but he had cerebral palsy and it was kind of like a bittersweet kind of thing because the because pain and suffering, suf- suffering yeah. he was going through and and there wasn't much of a relationship because he didn't he didn't have a personality because he kind of just sat there all day because it was his cerebral palsy was so severe i mean obviously yeah it was still sad but it's it's different than someone who communicates back with you and you have memories with yeah. and you have like a relationship with it was different he wasn't your son yeah you it, didn't yes care for him like like my brother and his wife did yeah, it so was different for yeah you. so i mean i imagine when that day comes It'll be tough, whoever it is. But yeah, it's a feeling I had never felt before. It's like um, it's probably one you can't explain it, obviously, until you you've... know what. And um, there's a pretty cool book called um, the Book of Mormon that explains it pretty good. Oh. They explain it. Um, I think it says the in phrase, the Bible too. The sting of death. The sting yeah. of death. And that's exactly what it felt like in my heart, like a stinging, like a bee sting, like a just. That's kind of how I can describe it. What it felt like. Is it knowing that you'll. Yeah. You won't see him. I mean, death you... is so final. It's just like, that's it. It's done. Yeah. Like, you you can't talk to that person anymore. Like, it's just done. It's a weird, a weird feeling to just know it's done. Yeah. And I, I did have, after a short year or two after we were married, one of my our friends, my friends passed away back home. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't seen her or talked to her in a while. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it is weird, like when do I delete this person from my phone? Because like, never. I'm never going to text them. My dad is still my phone. Yeah. I don't know if he, I would do that. He's still my phone. And you know what? After, after he died, I would actually call the phone and I would text the phone. Just to, just to say, well, I would like it, message him like, Hey, I'm having a hard day. I'm thinking of you. I would do that, which just sounds super weird. Yeah. But, well, it's just, and then eventually I would get texts back like wrong number. Oh, <laughs> that's they awkward. Re- you know, gave redistributed number. the number. Did, w- but did he have a personal voicemail? He did. So that why he called it so you could hear his voice? over and over again for a while. Yeah. Like a year, I, would, I think. Was there any other things you did that were people could air quote consider weird, but it helps them cope? Because I mean, the part of this podcast is to help people if they have had a loved one pass away, like yeah. how you've dealt with it. Obviously, a big part of yours was your religious background, but is there anything yeah. like non-religious or things that you did that helped you cope with it? I mean, I think just... I don't want to talk in circles. Just the thing I said before is making sure you're feeling the feelings, you're dealing with it. Yeah. Talking um, about it, you said. Talking about it, writing, writing it down yeah. even. And then, um, I mean, those are huge. And then, um, yeah, I would do weird things like that. 
like I would text him when he <laughs> didn't have his phone anymore and um, you know, go to his grave and just talk to him. Or I talked to him out loud um, just at home. Like when I would, I would talk out loud, like he was there, yeah. which is kind of a weird thing. But yeah, those are different things that I think that have helped me to, to deal with them. And, and actually, um, I don't know if we have time to even get into this, but, um, since he's, pa- he's passed away, I actually had an older, my older, oldest sister pass away. It'll be a year in April, which yeah, is, we could talk, we'll wrap it up with this super unexpected. Um, so yeah, it's almost a year. It's, it's like been almost a year, like two or April. three months before we had our daughter too. Yeah. I was, I was pregnant. I was yeah. like, what, six months pregnant, seven yeah. months pregnant. And it was just, it was awful. She was also in the, she was in the hospital just for a day and it was a very emotional day. And, um, I feel like I got a little glimpse of what my siblings went through when my dad died. But they had to do it for 11 they days. They for 11 days. Yeah. I couldn't even do that. I mean, I did it not even a whole day. And I was but, there for that too. And obviously it was a sad day, but again, like. You didn't know her very I well. I didn't know her that well. So that whole sting you're talking about, like. I more yeah. so felt bad for you and for your siblings and for right. your mom. I was there just as a support, but I, again, still haven't felt that. Yeah. So anyone who's in my position where you haven't felt that yet, like the best thing you can do yeah. is be a support because until you feel that feeling yourself, like you're not really going to understand it. Yeah. And that was, that was hard. It's still hard. She, it's fresh, you know, it's only been a year, but I'm, I mean, it's, she has three kids. Yeah. She has kids and, um, that are young and that's just tragic. I mean, I was 22, you know, when my dad died. Yeah. I wasn't... 18 or... 13. Yeah, yeah. You know, 16, 18. Like, I was I was older. Yeah. So that's really hard. And I know they're still... They're going through it right now. And they've, they're going to have to deal with it and figure it out for them and what that looks like for them. Yeah. But... Um, Is there anything that you went... Obviously, no matter how many times you lose someone who's close to you, it never, like... It's always hard, but like, yeah. was there anything that happened with your dad that when your sister did pass away that like, it was maybe easier to cope with because yeah. you'd gone through this before? Obviously it's different because it's a sibling, not a parent, but. Yeah. No. And, um, I allowed myself to feel it again. Yeah. I watched the movie Coco. <laughs> like. Oh, that's like the worst movie to watch. Heck yeah. No, but it's a freaking good movie. It's a good movie, but yeah. it's worse. I mean, it's all about death. And like remembering family, remembering and stuff. family and like the other side. And I made myself watch that movie and cry my eyes out while eating popcorn, of course. Yeah. And you were pregnant as well. So that. Yeah. And I was pregnant. So it was very emotional. And I watched it before and after I had Eleanor. Yeah. And then I, um, I wrote everything in my journal because her, her death was actually pretty, um, tragic and I was there for a lot of it. So it was a little more. I would use the word trauma. Like, yeah, I went through some trauma, not uh-huh. just, a, oh, my sister passed away. There was trauma involved. And um, so actually I wrote it out. I wrote everything down just to get it out. And I think that really helped me a lot. Yeah. And then I talked about a little bit. I've, I've had a harder time talking about her um, without being emotional. Yeah, and you it. said you don't like to necessarily be emotional in person. I don't like to be emotional with other people. I like to do it that you're not privately. Close with. Yeah, but I like I prefer to do it privately. Yeah, and um, so that's been a little bit hard, but it's getting a little better. Time, yeah. you know, takes time. Time heals all wounds. Yeah, and it's I think so, it's probably some in some ways again same with your dad. Like it's more fresh 
yeah. and not as resolved but, with some of your siblings right. and your mom that but it I is you. But I felt like, you know, I got through with my dad and I had gotten through that. And so like I, I had hope that um, I can do this. I can get through this with my sister or, you know, whoever passes away. I, I know I can get through it because I've done it before. You know what it feels like on the other side it, to yeah. be back at that new normal because yeah. it is a new normal. It's not normal because it's right. It's a new reality, but there is a new normal that you can kind of get that balance. Yeah, again. I mean, it's yeah, it it changes you completely. Yeah, and it changes you as a person completely to lose somebody that's close to you. But yeah, no, I think I'm doing all right. I'm hanging. I'm since she's passed away, of, like our daughter was born, and I think that has healed my heart. Yeah, just having our cute our cute yeah, daughter. Yeah, they always say that. New life can kind of help yeah, you forget it really the, does. the pain of losing somebody. Yeah. It kind of fills that void. Because you explained that with your sister, Christy, when they she had her first son, that yeah. that was like the first big, life. happy life ex- moment that yeah. for your whole family that kind of maybe cheered everybody up because yeah. it was the first big, happy thing since your dad had passed away. So. Right. Because after my dad died, both my grandparents, my um, grandpas, sorry, my, both my grandpas died. I didn't even. I had not even lost a grandparent. Oh, yeah, when we were dating, I had, I had four, all four of my grandparents. I hadn't even lost them yet. Like usually, you lose a grandparent and then a parent. Yeah. But I still had all my grandparents, and then um, my dad died, and then I don't remember. I'd have to look at the when they all died. My grandpa Rots died. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Because we went to Philadelphia, remember? And Grandpa Campbell died before. 2012. Grandpa, Grandpa Campbell died first. A couple and months Grandpa before. Grandpa Rots died. Because our Grandpa Campbell died while we were, we were dating. Engaged. engaged and mm-hmm. we only, it was like a couple months before we got married. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we, and had, I had, already, we had a lot of death happen in yeah. our family. And it sucked. So it's hard. So, then by the time your nephew was born, then that it, kind of yeah, it was raised awesome. everyone's spirits. It really did. It, it healed a lot of us. It helped us a lot. So, yeah, new life was. Huge. So we're not healing. saying though that if you have a death in the family, you just go get pregnant right away. No, 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 no. no. I'm not saying that. <laughs> just be around a baby though. <laughs> go get a puppy or something. Go get a, no. Don't do that either. Don't do that either. But I mean, it's something that you can get through. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is light at the end of the. I wouldn't say tunnel because that's has to do with death. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a, hope. Yeah, there's hope. There's hope that you can get through it and you can find your new normal. I guess. And, um, yeah, I guess, you know, that's kind of just my experience of what happened to me. And you ask one of my siblings and it's a completely different experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Is that any other questions? I think. No, that's covered it. So, uh, I think I covered it in detail. My goodness. I don't know if I want to go back and listen to this. No, if anyone does listen to this and they have questions and if you're you're friends with them, like. They can if you have Jessica's number, you can text her or maybe hit her up. Yeah, on, I'd love to talk about. I don't put it on her wall. That'd be weird. Just Facebook Messenger what? her and <laughs> ask her questions. If you have questions about how to cope with with death or how what new hobbies, how do you find those to to get your mind off things or how do you what's the best way to yeah. write things down? Like, do you do it in bullet points? Do you do it like in just organizing? How do you yeah, organize I think your thoughts? It, I mean, I think it's different for everybody. Yeah, and you know, even though I've lost a. a a parent and a sibling. Like, I don't know what it's like. So I have a friend who lost a mom recently and I don't know what it's like to lose her mom. Because yeah. That's her mom. Her relationship is different than losing my dad. Yeah. It's you know like, the experience of them being gone and yes. you can't talk to them anymore, but that's about the only thing you can relate right. to. So, I mean, it's similar, but it's so different all at the same time. And there's yeah. so many different layers that happen. I mean, you know, life's complicated and messy and, 
everyone's a little different, but yeah, hit me up. I'd love to talk to you and just, just listen to you because you need it. Yeah. So, well, Jessica, thanks for coming on the John Lyon podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Episode 62. And then it's the number six in the series of what it's like to be. And today was what it's like to be someone who's lost a parent. And in your case, a sibling as well. So hopefully everyone enjoy this. Is tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. You can say bye if you want. Bye.